Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast. Today you're going to hear from Coach Reggie Howard. He's currently an assistant football coach at Campbell University in North Carolina. Just an incredible young man, on fire, loves using the platform of football to positively impact young men. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining me today, Coach Howard. Oh, no problem, Stuart. Glad to be here. You bet. So I'd like to start this out with some background information. So if you don't mind, just give the listeners a little bit about you, you know, maybe where you grew up, your family growing up, and uh, your family today. Okay. Um, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, uh, born and raised there. Um, I actually played college football um, there as well. Uh, I did go off and play a couple years uh, at a D2 program out in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, Anderson State Reddies. Uh, before transferring back home to University of Memphis, um, then walking on uh, for University of Memphis, uh, played uh, two years, one year as a walk-on, one year as a full-time starter, and then uh, half a season my senior year uh, before uh, having a uh, season-ending injury uh, when I broke my neck fifth or sixth grade of the season. Um, but, uh, you know, all my family's from Memphis, mom, dad, uncles, sisters, brothers. I have, uh, three brothers, one sister. Uh, and then I have, uh, two daughters, uh, Kristen Allegra, and then I have a son, RJ. Um, and so that's kind of a little bit about me and my family, but true Memphis guy, uh, got a lot of my family still there in Memphis. And, uh, it was quite, quite a great, uh, sales job by Mr. Mike Minner. Uh, to get me out of Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So, what was it like playing college football in the, in the hometown? Uh, it was great, man. Because uh, the fact that I left and then came back, it was as if it was an opportunity to come back home, and uh, it was just a great feeling, man. Just being there, representing the city. Um, and, and represent the hometown. So it just gave you a different type of uh, pride um, in the program and wanting to be somebody that uh, was somebody that was positive, uh, that was doing things the right way. And um, it was just fun just trying to find a way to put the program on the map. Unfortunately, we went very good with the wins and losses, um, which it got better as years came along. Um, but uh, – Everything's been good, man. Like I say, it was a, it was a great experience being there, and even being able to go back and coach, man. Just being around the program as much as possible. Uh, we was just talking about like friendship, right? Um, you can go, you know, you know, weeks, months, years without talking to friends, man. But then when you see them, it's like just like old times, and so uh, that's kind of the feeling of Memphis. It's, it was more building that brotherhood uh, with those guys, and we continue to have that as the years pass. That's awesome. So let me ask you um, about your faith. Did you grow up in a family of faith? And then at what point did you, you know, realize you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? Man, it's, it's, it's crazy you say that, right? So I grew up, like my mom was a devoted uh, Christian. Uh, my dad grew up as a deacon at the church. Um, they did divorce um, when I was about 12. Uh, which kind of made things a little awkward, you know, just kind of going through that whole process and and uh, figuring that out. That's kind of how coaching kind of helped me because it kind of gave me that, that father figure uh, while we were kind of going through the whole situation with 
Um, my mom and my dad being uh, divorced and separated and me basically being in the house with my mom and having to learn a lot of things uh, independently and having a coach there help me. I think that's kind of what led me into going down the coaching road. Um, but for me personally, faith-wise, um, I was always a guy that was brought up in the church and understanding and having a faith about God. Uh, it was crazy, but when I, when I uh, broke my neck, I remember – um flying home um on the jet man and i and i remember um i was in so much pain um uh, because they had me on a stretcher and it was just consistent pain because i had turned i had torn ligaments um and uh had broken bones and things of that standpoint and i just remember being on that stretcher man and uh flying back uh to memphis because it ha- it happened in uh, birmingham alabama uh playing against uab and uh, I just remember, man, I was just in tears and I just, you know, I told God, I said, hey, man, if you if you give me another opportunity at this game, you know, I use it for something that's bigger than football. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember having that prayer and uh, they took me in. I had surgery, um, had successful surgery at the fifth and sixth vertebrae. And I remember the doctor telling me that I had the same exact surgery or same exact injury as Chucky Mullins, uh, the guy from Ole Miss. Um, um, that passed away from um, his uh, neuro- uh, uh, from his neck injury a year or two later, and they said it was a miracle that um, my the area around my neck was twice the size of a normal person. So when the break occurred, I never had any uh, neurological damage, so it never touched touched any of my nerves and that thing. So for me, man, that. You know, he gave me a medical reason, but I knew like, nah, man, this 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 was this was ordained from the man upstairs. And so mm-hmm. uh with that being said, right before that game, uh I remember my coach, uh Rip Shear came and talked to me before the game. He said, Well, man, they go do an article on you with ESPN and they want to talk to guys that were walk-ons that became big time contributors for the program. And he had told me that I had just cracked like the top 10 corners in the country. And I was looking at not being drafted no lower than the third round, right? And uh, and so all this happened, and um, I ended up going to the NFL, uh, playing for the Panthers. And I just remember, man, it was a time because it kind of I kind of pushed away from um, just playing the game, just to play the game, and I started to focus on playing the game just to make monetary games, right? And so. Uh, that was really my mindset when I first got into the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. I was just like, man, I got to make up back this money that I lost from the injury. And uh, so I ended up uh, playing for Carolina for about four years and then right after the Super Bowl, signed a, a good contract to go out to the to the Dolphins. And I remember after playing that first year, I had finally got all the money I thought I needed. Uh, had finally kind of got the success I thought I needed. Uh, and it was the darkest and emptiest time of my life. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember uh, calling one of my buddies who I played with with University of Memphis. Uh, he was my spiritual accountability partner. And uh, I was just like, man, I just don't know what's going on, man. I I don't really know the game. You know, I just I'm just playing just because of the money. And man, I just don't even know. I'm just kind of lost. And uh, he was just like, well, man, you need to pray. Uh, and you need to figure out, you know, ask God to 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 reveal your purpose. And uh, he said, "What what have you always wanted to do?" And I was like, "Man, I've always wanted to 
give back and be good at it and show others how to do it. And so um, I believe that was between uh, me having that conversation. It, it brought me back to the conversation or the prayer I had with God on that Learjet when I was saying I was going to use ball for something bigger. And so I think that was the moment that it really clicked for me um, was when I made that choice to, to walk away from the NFL um, after seven seasons. Uh, and it was a situation where um, they didn't want me to play. Um, it was actually the opposite. I remember talking to Jimmy Sexton, who was my agent, and the general manager and Coach Fox over there with the Panthers. And I was just like, man, I'm just ready to move on to the next next chapter of my life. And uh, Jimmy was like, man, you got about four more years and you're at least four to five, you know? And I was like, man, I, I hear that, but it's just time for you to make this, this next transition. And the only one that was really kind of in my corner was Fox. He was just like, hey, man, I, look, I selfishly, I want you as a player, but I respect what you're doing as a man. And so I, I, I retired from the NFL, man, and started focusing on non-profit work. Um, I started with doing a lot of charity work locally uh, there in the city of Memphis with a program we called the Phenomenal Four, uh, where it was uh, players from the area of Memphis that always came back together. Uh, they had went off to play in the NFL, but had made a commitment to come back, you know, every year to do uh, programs in the city, uh, in the community, educating them on um, job opportunities, uh, educating them on, um, on the police uh, educating them on, um, uh, the importance of getting their education, um, just things using the game of sport to help highlight the things that were really important in life. And so from doing that, um, um, I got involved with setting up an organization in Atlanta called the United Athletes Foundation. And basically, uh, the mission was empowering athletes to impact communities through education and social development. And so it was using that same concept that I had learned in Memphis with the Phenomenal Four by bringing a collective group, uh, a collective group together made us more powerful and helped us impact more people. We did that now, uh, working with some of the bigger bigger names in, in the sports um, where I was able to uh, get guys like, um, you know, I had Jim Brown on my board, Ray Lewis, Hank Aaron, um, Dr. J., uh, pretty pretty much a Hall of Fame in each of the sports uh, that was helping us basically create like a uh, United Way of non uh, uh, a United Way of athlete nonprofits is what mm -hmm. we pretty much have put together right supporting each other and using our collective influence or collective resources to support whatever calls uh, one of our members had so that way we could make it more uh, more impactful and reach more scale and so. Um, that's what I had been doing for 10 years um, after retiring from uh, the National Football League uh, when I was um, approached with one of my buddies about coaching. And so I kind of got into that, uh, helping out at uh, Lane College, which is a D2 HBCU out in Jackson, Tennessee. Did that for a couple of years and did a couple of internships with the Bears uh, and with the Broncos, with Fox. And that's when I knew, man, this is what I want to do moving forward uh, was coach because I felt that coaching uh, was a great way to continue the mission of what I was doing with UAF uh, by training that next that next group of leaders uh, through the game of sport. So now, you know, you basically that whole uh, teaching a man how to fish, right? 
Um, the more people I can impact on this level, now I'm creating those leaders that can impact their communities uh, and be that positive light there. So uh, for me, man, I think everything I kind of went through um, to get to that point uh, prepared me and put me in a position where now, you know, with coaching, it's not being like being a player, right? With a player, you just out there playing the game, you're having fun and doing those things. But as a coach, man, uh, you know, those kids look at you as, as a leader, uh, as kind of a father figure type of individual. So you want to make sure that you're giving them um, the right example uh, because you can't be talking about it and not doing it, doing it on your own as well. So for me, you know, I think that was the biggest turning point for me was, um, you know, those two instances uh, with the uh, with the neck injury and the prayer on the on the plane. And then that time when I sat down and talked to one of my buddies, that was my accountability partner who helped me figure out, you know, what my purpose in life. And it wasn't about money, fame or, or things of that. It was about impacting lives and impacting as many lives as possible. You know, that's a, that's an incredible story, number one. And as you're telling it, I, you know, two things stood out that, you know, God used something really, really bad and something really, really good both to kind of get you to that point, the neck injury. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to be a top pick. You have a neck injury, you go undrafted. But then you have some success and get all this money. And, this, you know, and then God says, hey, I've given you all this stuff, but it's still not where I want you. So it's like you hit a low and a high, you know, to kind of get to where he wants you. Do you still do that work with a nonprofit or I mean, I know coaching is kind of hard, but it's tough. I'm going to be honest. Um, initially, um, when I was doing it um, uh, with Lane, I was kind of doing 50 50. Um, but once I got over to Memphis in 2017, it was so demanding with the scheduling. Yeah. Um, with being on the uh, D1 level, um, man, I had to I had to pull back a little bit from that. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it was strategic uh, because at the end of the day, I felt like I could impact and create um, new members and new leaders um, through this, um, and then I could reignite. Um, my organization when it was time. Now I have started to put some things back in place there in my city of Memphis, where we got a program called the Memphis Magic uh, Athlete, uh, Memphis, Memphis Magic Athletics, uh, where we're basically uh, using uh, a AAU basketball team to create that next leadership group, uh, where we're putting programs around them uh, about financial literacy, uh, working with banks to help them understand, uh, you know, banking and then helping them educate the community about banking and and understanding uh, finances and things at that standpoint. And then also uh, having programs in place um, that promote uh, good conduct, uh, good academics, and then uh, documentation of how many community hours they're providing uh, as well. So the same mindset, except now it's more on a high school level, um, doing it with some of those kids. Uh, where we're going to kind of branch that out because I think one of the things that I did do when I was working with UAL, I was building a lot of traction, uh, working in financial literacy and working with uh, STEM education. And even I even got involved with doing uh, affordable housing using low income tax credits, you know. So it got to that point where I was doing things at that standpoint on a national level, but I felt that I wasn't giving enough attention to my own hometown. So for me, Uh, moving forward, I'm building it back out organically 
from home first and everything else comes after that, you know? So, uh, you know, I got my mom helping me out there locally. So she's helping me as my executive director there um, so that she can be more of my hands-on operations person uh, to make sure that the program is running while I continue to coach. And now we can start to build the program back out um, slowly, organically, like most major corporations do. You know, I'm just not going to rush to do anything. If it, if it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to put a lot of energy into it. I'm staying real, really focused because I really believe that uh, using athletics to create leadership uh, is a key area that could be very, very impactful because now you can have, by teaching a few, you can educate many. And so that's, right. uh, that's kind of the thought process behind it. I really, I mean, I like that model. It makes, yeah, it sounds like it's, you build something that's sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, sometimes it's not about the large numbers, you know, you impact a smaller group and then empower them to go impact a smaller group and, and that spreads. That's good. So, you know, you've given a good snapshot of your journey, both as a player and a coach. Um, now you're at Campbell university there in North Carolina. Talk about going from Memphis to there and coaching with and under a Panthers teammate, Mike Mentor. Man, it's, it's, it's been a, you know, it's been a great uh, transition to be honest, man. Um, and um, initially I thought about it because, you know, it was comfortable being at Memphis and mm -hmm. uh, being back home and uh, coach Silverfield and those guys made it very, very welcoming for me as the, uh, director of high school relations for the team. Um, so it wasn't a situation where I was in a bad spot. I mean, I was actually in a great spot at Memphis. Uh, but when Mint, when Mint called me, um, he just was like, man, are you interested? I said, well, man, I am interested in getting back on the field. Um, and when when we met and he explained to me what, he, what his vision was and what he was trying to accomplish uh, here at Campbell and how he wanted to develop, you know, a coaching tree. Um, you know, guys that are coming in and doing it right and doing it for the right reasons. Um, that's what sold me, uh, to be honest with you. And then he also told me that, you know, we was in position uh, to do the same things that we were able to accomplish at, at Carolina Panthers uh, because a lot of people think about Carolina when we went to the Super Bowl uh, in 03, but they don't think about no one. We were 1-15, you know, so – uh, you know, a lot of people don't know about that journey. Um, going from worst to, I mean, from last to first is a big jump. And, um, you know, that's what sold me on Mint was our history and doing that as players is something that, you know, uh, intrigued me that we could get that done as coaches as well. Well, and I think it's already working, right? At least, you know, all the online chatter is the top recruiting class in FS FCS and, you know, so I think there is a lot of positive momentum happening there. Um, so that's that's exciting. Is it – I mean, what's it like coaching under a former teammate? Man, I, it, it, I mean, it's like we're teammates, you know. Um, at the end of the day, I know he's the CEO and he's the head coach. And, mm -hmm. you know, whatever decision he makes, we're going to run with. And, you know, I'm a soldier, you know. So um, from, from being a leader of an organization and understanding how tough that can be, I mean, the best thing you can do is have people underneath you, man, that believe in you and are going to align with the mission and going to enforce that mission. And so for me, uh, I'm a guy that's always had a lot of faith in Mint, uh, trust in Mint. Um, so uh, it wasn't a hard choice to to go up under his leadership 
because I know what type of character he has. Uh, and he's illustrated it throughout his career uh, as a player and as he's transitioning into coaches. So if that's the type of guy I want to be around and, you know, I don't mind building and taking the time because I know, uh, you know, if you plant these seeds, man, it's going to eventually grow. And so I think that's what's happening here is that, you know, we have coaches here that believe in men and now reinforcing his his vision, his mission. And I believe, um, you know, that has kind of transpired with how we've been able to recruit, uh, which at the, at the end of the day, you always want to get players in because that's going to put you in a position to be a better coach. Um, so now, you know, the next step is just like men talked about is now we got to go out and win. You know, um, you know, it sounds all good on paper, but uh, you got to go out there and get it done on the field. So that's what we're looking forward to. And we're, we're jumping on it now, you know, like things that typically may pop up during the season. We're targeting those things now. So we're prepared. Um, so when those things popped up, that's not the first time they heard of it. You know, this stuff that we're drilling and training into them right now as we start uh, spring football. You know, one of the big words, and it's obvious that y'all have a very positive culture and the culture you're building, but culture is such a, you know, the the buzzword around athletics and, you know, and a lot of organizations outside of sports as well. So if you could sum up the culture that Coach Mentor and the staff y'all are building there, if you could sum it up in a couple words, what what would that be? Man, I'm, you know, I put it in my hashtag a lot because I believe it. I, um, I, I believe it. One team, one heartbeat. Um, mm. I think if we all come together and we all do more than what's required and that's, you know, more than what's on your job description, do whatever is necessary for us to be successful. Um, and then the other thing I would say, one of his big phrases is all about the kids, man. It's all about the players, uh, the student athletes, you know? So at the end of the day, we're only here because we're, our job is to pour into them and be available to them. It's not about us. And so, I think when you have that type of thought process and that type of leadership, it's very, very genuine. Uh, when you're talking to the players and talking to their families, they can feel it. You know, it's not like we're coming in there with some type of speech uh, pre-rehearsed or some type of salesman pitch or anything like that, man. We're just speaking from facts, you know, uh, from where we've been, what we've seen and what it takes to get there. And uh, the big thing is, hey, man, if, if your dream is to play at the next level, do we go give you every type of nugget that you can get um, as far as what it takes to get there and how to be a person that can make the plays and be a dependable uh, employee is what you become when you play at the next level uh, because they're going to be paying you to to to, um, to to produce, you know, not to be, be your friend, but they need you to produce. And if you produce, you get paid. If you don't, you get fired. That's, that's mm-hmm. what it is. And so we implement that type of structure uh, when we're working with these guys. And I think that resonates with them. But then at the same time, we're also telling them, look, make sure that you're getting your education um, and your degree, because the last thing we want you to do is come here and you play for the university and we get our end by your athletic talents on the field, but you don't get your end by uh, receiving your degree because at the end of the day, that's what the payment process is because we're paying for your education uh, and then you're giving your giving us your athletic ability on the field. Well, that's good. I like that one 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 team one heartbeat. Yes, sir. You know that's that's good. And it's I mean it's obvious just from watching from afar that it's not just a hashtag, right? You know yeah. when you start, you know because a lot of times I mean it's easy to 
you know, people come with a hashtag and all that, but, and then you kind of peel some layers back and, and then it didn't match, but just knowing, you know, coach Harris and some of those others around that program, it's, it's, it's obviously real. I'll tell you another thing that's, that's unique, um, man, like, you know, our staff meetings, right? Every day in our staff meeting, we start off with devotion, you know, which mm-hmm. you don't do that, you know, everywhere, you know. Um, so I think that's that's something. Um, and it's very open um, because each coach or each person that's involved in the administration part of the team and the coaches, uh, we know we go through a list. Everybody got to do it each day, you know. And so we get to hear different perspectives and different thought processes and and different uh, verses or situations. I mean, and then you get to speak on it, like, well, what do you get out of that or what are you thinking? And so we start that at the beginning of the day before we get to anything else um, and do a prayer um, before we start uh, going through our agenda. And, uh, you know, I know personally in my room, I just replicate that same thing, you know. So when we come in my, my room with my players, the first thing we start with is a scripture, you know, and, Read through the scripture. What do you get out of it? I use FCA a lot. You know, I lose their scriptures and and then we discuss it. What do you get out of that? And then we pray and then then we get the business as far as it pertains to the, the agenda of the day as far as points of emphasis and installation and then film review. But I think that type of structure is the leadership is being built, built from the top down um, so that we have a certain culture. Um, that the kids can believe in and trust in. And then from a football standpoint, man, we're just using it, a lot of the same stuff we use with the Panthers, man, that whole pyramid of success, man. It's, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's been successful for a reason. And so uh, for us, man, just implementing those things and being consistent with it so that the kids can understand that we're not just talking, man, we're about it, you know. And so I think that's what resonates with the kids we have here and the ones that we've been able to recruit. I really like that because, yeah, you're setting the foundation at the very beginning of every meeting with scripture and prayer. But not only that, to me, the fact that it's not just one person, okay, this is our devotional, let's get to work. It's it's open dialogue and everybody mm-hmm. feels empowered that they have a voice to, to talk about. It. And I think that's where real growth comes, right? You yep. know, you share a scripture and, you know, and it, it may hit me different than it hits you. And I think that's good with the staff, but the fact that you do that with your position group, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, yep. You know, it's not just you going, okay, this is the verse of the day. Now let's get, now let's get to the game plan. You know, that, that dialogue about, it, I think is very important. Well, I mean, it's, it's all a part of the mission, right? At the end of the day, you just want to put the information out there. I'm, I'm not putting any pressure on anyone to become a believer. Right. But I'm just letting them know that, hey, this is I'm not saying, hey, you got to believe in this. I'm just saying, hey, this is, you know, the scripture. What did you get out of it? Because every, it's all about imp- interpretation. Right. It's just, you know, how do you comprehend those words? Or how do you translate those words? And, hey, it's not a right or wrong answer, man. We just want to kind of figure this out and just have open discussion. And then we'll pray about it. and We'll move on. You know, and so I think kind of leaving it where it's not aggressive. Um but it's more informative. I think that has uh, resonated with the young men because now at least it's in there, in their hearts, uh, you know, and whether they act on it or not, you just keep on giving it to them, keep on giving it to them. Then it starts to resonate. And it's like, wow, man. Like, so that, 
So we were just talking about uh, love, you know, love is patient and kind. And, and the kids were like, well, what does that mean, coach? I was like, well, you know, you can love somebody and still be mad at them or still discipline them. That doesn't mean that you don't love them. You know, it's just that's a part of what Christ-like is, you know, and not being boastful and not being proud and, you know, and not being jealous, you know, and things of that standpoint, you know, and so just talking to them about those type of little things where we can assume kids know this, but we don't know where everybody comes from and what they're dealing with. Um, so uh, I think that always kind of helps just kind of hearing those type of things uh, and having an open discussion on can help develop them and help them open their minds to understanding, you know, how powerful a God can be in your life. And not only that, I mean, you're, you're sowing those seeds, you're watering those seeds and you don't know when, but at some point they're going to think back to a verse that, Hey, I was in coach Howard's position group meeting five years ago and I'm going through a very difficult time, but I remember this scripture. I remember this promise that I can stand on. I think it's good. And you're right. It's not our job to save people and force them to believe. We just, we put it out there and then let the Holy spirit do, do the work and, you know, and it's in God's timing. So I think that's, that's powerful. Cause I promise you, you know, I mean, you know, you've been through some tough times. They're going to go. It may not be why, while they're at Campbell, it may be when they're 25 and are graduated, they're going to hit a tough time. And they're going to think back to, to a verse that, you know, that they've stored in their heart and it's going to mean something. That's good. Yep. yep. And I think so, the other thing is too, is like, I don't mind, Te- you know, giving testimonies, man. I think that helps them out as well. Like I'm absolutely. not a guy that comes in there and acts like I'm perfect or I got it all figured out. You know, I talk to them, hey man, I went through this. I, I I I experienced this thing and I think that helps them resonate because it's not like I'm coming down and just giving it to them. I'm like, no, nah, dude, this is how it helped me out. Like I'm telling you, like I'm not telling you something I heard about. I'm telling you about something I actually experienced. And I think that helps resonate with them as well. I like that. I like the way you said that you're telling them, you're not telling them something you heard about. You're telling them something you experienced. Cause I think that's important because then that, that makes it real. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's awesome. You know, I tell people all the time, I can tell you how not to do things a lot better than I can tell you how to do them. Hey, you know, there so, you go. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, we can talk testimonies all day. I can tell you how I've messed up a bunch. So yeah. that's good. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, while we're talking about scripture, um, do you have a favorite one or is there one that recently God's really used to, to encourage you? Um, like I said, man, I, I just went over the one today, man. I got Corinthians 13, four, uh, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. So that one was kind of on my heart today, man, because it was just, you know, just talking about kids. Like so many times you, you experience success and you think you did all that. You want to say, well, I made the play or I made sure we won or, you know, those things. But if you're going to boast, you're supposed to boast about how God provided that to you. You know, he gave you that and he He blessed you with the opportunity. He blessed you with the opportunity to be a champion. He blessed you with the opportunity to have an education. He blessed you with the opportunity to provide for your family. And I think um, just, you know, I think that's a, a, a very big thing these days because, you know, jealousy is easily something that can creep in and boastfulness is something that can easily creep in. Pride. It's something that can easily creep in, man, and just constantly put those type of things on these kids' mind. It was really a good verse for me to just remind me of what it's all about. 
and it's about mm-hmm. love and being kind. Jealousy and pride is is so dangerous and it's such an easy trap to fall for because we're always comparing ourselves to others. Exactly. You know, or, you know, we do have that success and then we start thinking we did it on our own. So yeah, that's that's exactly. good. That's some good reminders. Exactly. Yeah. So I said this one hit home right here. This is a good one. Yeah, that it's, is. It's, it's it's a tough battle in the type of sport we in, right? It's you know, you get you get rewarded for doing well, you know, and so a lot of times you can get too caught up in that and not understanding that at the end of the day, man, make sure you're giving the praise to the man up high. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's good. So I'd like to close it out with a question. There's two words, all in. I mean, it's all over sports. It's all over chin straps and wristbands and T-shirts. and But it's also all over Jesus's teachings. You know, he says, if you're going to follow me, you know, d- deny yourself um, and and take up your cross every day. And, you know, and then and the other parts, it's like, you, I want you hot or cold, not lukewarm. So it's very obvious that all in is a is a spiritual matter too. So what does it look like, like from a practical sense on a daily basis for you to be all in in your walk with Christ? Um, I would say, man, number one, uh, you know, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning, um, before you even leave the house, uh, getting in the car, just pray about, you know, God protecting us and, uh, uh, God, thanking God for waking us up, thanking God for giving us the opportunity to be here. So it starts out in the morning with prayer before I leave the house. Um, then, like I say again, once we get over to the facility and we have our staff meeting, uh, well, even before the staff meeting, I normally get in. The first thing I do when I get to my computer is I get on um, uh, my emails uh, because one of my buddies, he's um, he sends me inspirational messages uh, from FCA. Uh, kind of like daily quotes or daily scriptures uh, with messages in it. So I read I read that and review that before I start the day. Um, and then we go into our staff meeting. We got prayer there. Um, and then, you know, once I get home after everything is done, got prayer night as well. So I think for me, man, uh, it's just praying um, because I know I don't have it figured out. I know, you know, it's all about, um, you know, staying strong and staying focused and not being uh, distracted and, um, you know, just praying to God to protect me and 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 give me strength for the things that I'm weak at. And so uh, for me, man, it's just understanding that um, I need, you know, God in my life in order for me to be as productive as possible and impact as many lives as possible. That's good. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a, some very practical reminders for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I can tell how my day is, um, the, how I start my day as soon as my feet hit the floor is really dictates a lot about my day. And if I don't mm. start it, you know, with the right perspective, with a little prayer, opening Bible or Bible app, whatever it may be, um, if I don't do that, I can tell throughout the day that, um, it's not going as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and a cup and a cup of coffee now. That's right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's a given. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, man. I've enjoyed, uh, chatting and hearing more about you and your journey. And, you know, I, I love, I love what you've shared. So I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm sorry. It took a while. It's all um, good. Man. 
Thank you again to Reggie for taking time to join us. Thank you for listening. Um, we love to hear from you. Uh, you can go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the search bar. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, to serve, and to give. And I just want to close out by saying thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience and your encouragement. I know it's been a couple months since we released one. Um, we're going to take a short, another break, sabbatical, if you will. We'll be back. So um, thanks again for the support, the prayers, and the encouragement.